Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing four things to do before retirement so your retirement house is in order. Also, the difference between private REITs and public REITs and why you may want to avoid the latter. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, good to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jeff. That is always great to hear, Brian. Hope our listeners are having a great weekend, too. And Brian, according to a survey done by Caring.com in 2020, 32% of adults in the U.S. had estate planning documents. What happens when you don't have up-to-date estate planning documents? Well, that's an interesting stat because, of course, the first thing I think of, that means 68% of us <laughs> <That's right. laughs> don't have anything. And of the 32%, how many of them have up-to-date right. uh, estate documents and maybe, okay, maybe half of them. So now you're at 16%. And of the 16%, how many of them have up-to-date estate documents that are all-inclusive and have everything and been looked at and maybe not done by themselves or, or have mistakes in them? So now we might be at 10%. So I guess if my listening audience was typical, 10% of you would have your stuff together and 90% would not. I assume, however, that my listening audience is awesome and they have doing a lot better than that. So in the case of when I meet new prospective clients and we talk about this stuff, it's probably closer to about 50-50 of the people that I run into that say, yes, I have well-prepared, complete estate of documents that aren't too old, that are current enough. And so about 50% do not, though. So whether you're in the 50% category of the people that I seem to run into the most or the 90% I, I just laid out, this is concerning because this is probably the most difficult time in one of the most difficult times in somebody's life is when they become, they're the ones that have to take care of all this stuff. And whether it's parents, a brother, sister, aunt or uncle, whatever it is, that you have to handle something you don't do on a day-to-day -day basis, being a, a administrating an estate. State. Now, it is hard enough to deal with the grieving process when you've lost loved ones. Then throw on administering an estate, one of the worst, toughest jobs ever. Throw onto that the family dynamics of what can happen in there. But then if you want to add to that, I don't have proper documents. I can't mm. find them. They're not up to date. They were poorly prepared. They clearly didn't communicate what I know the person that passed away wanted to have happen to their assets or to their health care or to anything, yet you're stuck with bad documents that you know wasn't the, the intent. Imagine how much harder all of this becomes when none of that is in order. Or when you're dealing with a parent again or an aunt or uncle that's going to the hospital and trying to make decisions and they go, where's your health care directive so I can talk to you? You say, well, I, I, I know they wanted me to be that person. I'm their only kid, you know, of course. And they're like, yeah, well, where's your document? Well, I, I think it's right here. Well, that, that document names the spouse, not you. And the spouse has passed. Where's your document? Oh, I, I don't have one. Well, okay, this is hard stuff. This is some of the worst things that can happen in, in dealing with someone is going through this process without up-to-date documents. It's not so much the person that passed away. That, you know, they passed away. It's what they leave behind. It's their loved ones, their spouse, their surviving spouse, who, by the way, most often is not 35 years old. They're 85. They're, you know, they're not people that say, oh, yeah, I'm 85 years old. My spouse of 50 years just passed away. I'm up for the task of administering a state with bad documents that aren't up to date. No problem. Yeah, sign me up. No, that is not how it goes. And so it is critical to know that your documents, whether it's your health care directive, durable power of attorney, your credit shelter trust provisions within your will, the decision between a will or revocable living trust, to know that if you have a revocable living trust, you've retitled all your assets so you aren't automatically put back into probate, which you were trying to avoid in the first place, that beneficiaries are up to date, that what you want done with your money is up to date, that it's protected from future marriages of of kids or you know divorces or whatever they, you know, there's so many things I, I go on and on all day of the things that we want to make sure are taken care of so kind of going off on this one Jeff a great question a lots of word <laughs> answer yeah but gosh this stuff's so important and the statistics I think they truly you know 32 percent are okay well uh, I don't know about that I, I'd probably put that number closer to 10. 
Brian, as you alluded to before, we do have some of the most intelligent listeners, I think, listening to the radio today. And I know that you get people in bringing the estate documents to you. And as you said, probably there's a higher percentage of our listeners who have things in order. But how often do you see estate documents that do have holes in them or things that could be improved? Uh, a ton. I mean, a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, it's probably about 50% of the time. But I think that the biggest problem might be is where you think they're okay and they're not. And so, you know, I've had situations where I remember that I was talking about the credit shelter trust provision that would save their estate over $300,000 just to have a paragraph in there. And I said, you know, do you have up-to-date estate documents? Yeah, we had an attorney do it. Oh, they were an estate attorney. No, but, you know, they, they seemed pretty smart. I, I liked them. I, how long ago was that? And they said, well, four years. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, just for kicks, can you just bring that in so I can take a look and make sure? And they said, sure. And I'm pouring through that thing going, you got to be kidding me. A will prepared by an estate attorney with someone with a a $5 million net worth that doesn't have a paragraph in there that would save them $300 plus to their spouse or or their heirs. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. How does this get missed? And so even when you think it's okay, sometimes it's not. Or I had another one where they brought in their will. I said, where's your health care directive and durable power of attorney? And they said, what's that? Everything here is in this folder. And I said, well, those are missing, and those are hugely important. And so I'm shocked sometimes by the fact, you know, I, so again, I think it's worst when you have something you think is okay. So for instance, your house burns down, and you paid it off years ago, and you don't have a mortgage, you don't have an escrow anymore, and you know you have fire insurance, and your house burns down, and you go, huh, well, my, my records are gone. Uh, I went online. I, I don't see where I was paying it. Oh, my gosh, I thought I had it, and I don't. It's kind of that situation where it's almost worse when you think you have it. At least if you know you don't have it, you can act on it. If you know your will is not current, you can act on it. You know you got something to do. If you know you're missing documents or haven't done it at all, you know you have something to do. I think the worst thing is where you thought you had it all figured out and you've come to find out later after the fact when it's too late, it wasn't done right, even though you thought you were fine. So that, that could be even a bigger problem. Brian, if you pass away, I mean, beyond your stuff, going to who you want it to go to, are you opening yourself up to Uncle Sam dipping into your pockets more than necessary? Absolutely, especially in the states of Washington and Oregon. Uh, most states, when you pass away, there's a certain amount you can pass away with for federal purposes, and your estate doesn't have to pay any tax on the value of your estate. It's over $10 million right now, over $12 million. And that's going to drop, though, in a couple of years, but uh, it's still a pretty high number for most people. Uh, if you have proper estate documents and you're married, you can double that amount. Great. But in the state of Washington, the, the figure is very low. and Oregon, it's even much lower. In Oregon, you can only leave a, a million dollars before you're starting to pay a lot of estate tax. Washington is about $2.2 million. And so I have a lot, you know, virtually all of my clients would be subject to the Washington estate tax if they didn't do some basic stuff with their will. And there's a ton of things you can do. There's, there's products out there. There's, you know, whether it's universal life, there's, uh, as I mentioned, the credit shelter trust provision to put in your will or living trust is an easy, you know, 300 plus thousand dollars save for a lot of people. There's gifting strategies, all kinds of different things you can do, whether it's gifting to kids or to charities while you're living, after you pass, whatever it is, there, there's a plethora of things that we can help you with that, you know, I, I say these things and, and that you can do and I have to recognize, though, if you're kind of doing the, the, the whole Dave Ramsey thing or you're doing the strip mall advisor, big box advisor, or doing it yourself, you probably aren't aware of the things I'm talking about. Honestly, uh, there aren't a lot of advisors in the country that I have met that can have the conversation that I could have if I had two more hours here on the radio today. <laughs> I don't, and I won't, but that, that can't even have that conversation. And so I, I'm just trying to pique some interest here as opposed to answer all your questions as to what you can do to protect your state against estate taxes. You know, that's a big topic, but it's something that is easily addressed if you take the time and have the right person. I guess I'm pointing at not just taking the time and knowing you have issues, but finding that right person to have that conversation with. Brian, before we keep going, I'm going to take just a moment to pause and open the phone lines. I'm willing to bet that a lot of our listeners today may have some questions based on our discussion here about some things that you want to do to keep your financial house in order. And we've been talking about the estate planning part of that. 
So if you want to have your plan professionally reviewed by a team of professional advisors and CPAs, then call 833-673-7373 right now so that you can request your Madrona 30-point analysis and see what needs to be done to help get your financial house in order. If you feel that something could be off or missing in your plan, I want to invite you to call this number again, 833-673-7373 right now so you can get your financial house in order and see what needs to be done to help you get where you you need to be in retirement. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify for the Madrona 30-point analysis, but those who do qualify are going to be able to enjoy this conversational analysis intended to dynamically cover a wide range of topics based on your unique situation so that you can proactively adjust your financial plan and strategy to help avoid major potential problems. And as a bonus, we're going to send you out a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Now, when you call, you're going to get a friendly voice on the other end of the line. It's going to take some basic information from you. And again, it's not going to cost you a dime, but this 30-point analysis could be just what you need to help uncover several blind spots while improving your overall quality of life for the next 30-plus years. Once again, that number to call, 833-673-7373. You can do it right now. Once again, 833-673-7373. By the way, that one call could make all the difference. Brian, let's talk about people who want to get their financial house in order based on our conversation today. What would you say is the first step? Yeah, we were just talking about estate planning documents and all of that stuff, and that's fine and good. But uh, let's get to the meat of this. Uh, what about while you're still living? <laughs> what about your retirement? So that's great. Yeah, what are the four things? The first one, the most important thing, when somebody comes to me and they say, I'm thinking about retiring or I want to talk about the last 25, 30 years of my life, what is the number one thing that they're asking for? Now, some people might think, well, you're an investment advisor. They're coming to you and saying, how do I grow my assets to the most? And and a lot of people actually do come in thinking that, uh, but most them don't. Most of them say, you know, I want to have a great retirement and I need money to spend to have a great retirement. And I don't have enough income coming in. I need an income plan. Maybe they don't know that, you know, they don't phrase it so easily. (laughs) After listening to him for a half hour, I might say, I think we need an income plan. They go, yeah, yeah, I need to know. I need money coming in every month so I know what I can spend. That's exactly what I was trying to say. And I know I probably knew that in the first three minutes, but you know, we had to get there. We have to work our way through this process. So I think the most important thing for people that are retired is having an income plan. Why? Because they're not working anymore. That's what you're retired. You're not getting your earnings, your wage, your salary, your bonuses, and so forth. This is not something you do with a pie chart. It's not something you do with buzzwords. And let me throw it, but what's your number? I mean, I I saw that coming out, that advertising campaign for a couple years from some big box advisory firm. What's your number? Go online, give us about eight data points, and we'll tell you your number that you need for retirement. I'm like, wow. How am I supposed to spend a number, Jeff? You can't. Oh, my number is $2 million. Okay, well, I have a $2 million piece of land. How am I supposed to <laughs> buy groceries with that, Jeff, yeah, and deal right. with inflation? I'm not really sure because i got to pay property taxes on Yeah, that's a buzzword. That's to try and manipulate you into going, wow, it's that easy? I can give you eight data points and know my number, and you'll help me retire successfully? You know, that's, that's just manipulation. There's a lot of buzzwords out there. There's a lot of people trying to get, you know, obviously trying to get you to invest their money with them and and so forth but we really break it down and and again the first thing is the income plan and and here's another one how many advisors out there saying i've got this i am a retirement planner i'll do your income planning i'll do everything i'll do everything you need you don't need madrona and their seven steps and their 30 points and cpa firm and and all those products they talk about all you need is an annuity it will solve everything All you need is to get out of the market, get out of real estate, get out of everything. Give me all your money, I'll buy you an annuity, and that will be all the planning you need. Now, there's a lot of, we call these limited scope advisors out there. And we're going to do shows on this in the future, so I'm looking forward to that. But most advisors are what I term as a limited scope advisor. Let's say I'm an annuity salesperson. I have an annuity hammer and you look like a a nail. 
or I'm a strip mall advisor or a big box advisor and everybody needs stocks and bonds, 60-40 stock bond split. And I've got that hammer. I'm going to hit you on the head with that because you still look like a nail. We all look like nails to, these, to a limited scope advisor. They want to sell a product. Their job is to do that. Now, full scope advisors have a plethora of products and they're not encouraged to sell one over the other if they're a fiduciary or act like a fiduciary. And so an income plan has to be all-encompassing. It's not a pie chart. Again, it's not an annuity. That is not an income plan. That's a tool towards an income plan, potentially. And that doesn't even take into account tax considerations and so forth. So one thing I suggest when people think of income plan, look at your tax return. Page one, if you pull out capital gains, which aren't recurring for some, you know, if, if they were a one-time kind of thing, but you pull out capital gains, that's a good starting point. What's your total income? Because that is income, they, the mailbox money in, in often. That is interest. It's dividends, wages, perhaps, if you're working part-time or full-time. Social Security benefits that are taxable. You want to take the indented line on tax return, not the one on the far right. But Social Security income, uh, pensions, RMD distributions, annuity income, uh, other income sources, rental income, pass-through income. That is a great start for what is your income plan starting with, okay? So that's our kind of a, a basic starting point. So if your advisor hasn't asked you for your tax return, they're probably missing a lot of pieces of what they could do. If they're just saying, how much money can you invest? Oh, so I'll sell you an annuity. I'll, I'll put you in the Vanguard Index, whatever. That's not financial planning. That's not income planning. Income planning is all-encompassing and then involves a tax overlay on this too if you're doing it right. But that's a, a great starting point for an income plan. So obviously, Brian, I mean, generating income in retirement, very, very important having an income plan. But let's talk about diversity. How would you diversify someone's assets if they wanted income and protection versus someone who wanted income and growth? Yeah, I think uh, everybody wants the five things uh, investment can do. Uh, income, especially in retirement. I'll put it in kind of an order of what how people often convey it. Income first, security second, growth third. Tax savings fourth, liquidity fifth. There's usually plenty of liquidity in whatever you have. Even annuities have 10% liquidity for the most part. So again, cash flow, security, growth, tax savings, and liquidity for the fifth one. And so that's kind of the, the basic order. So we want to make sure our money is doing all of the above. However, again, some are a bigger priority. Would you rather have, if you're 70 years old, would you rather have an extra 100 grand a year coming in for 10 years, or would you have a, an extra $10 million when you die? What do you think, Jeff? I think I'd probably take the money while I'm living. I have a little trouble spending it. Oh, wait a it. second. I just said, do you want a million dollars or $10 million? Uh, You have a priority here, Jeff? I, I kind of growth, do, yeah. The growth plan says, I'll get you $10 million on the day you die. Yeah, and the income plan says, how about 100000 a year for 10 years might trump the $10 million when you die. So the, I think that was a pretty good analogy, actually, right there. Yeah, I it's a very good one, yeah. Yeah, about why one would trump the other, even though the spreadsheet says clearly $10 million will help your heirs more than 100000 a year that you're going to spend anyway. You're like, well, yeah, I, I see that on your spreadsheet. However, the, <laughs> I want to live those 10 years and spend that hundred grand right. uh, living the life I want to live. And that is our primary focus when we talk to somebody, especially when it comes to retirement planning, that we would diversify the investments based on those five things. No one investment can solve those five things I talked about. Uh, annuities cannot solve for growth or for liquidity, perhaps, or, or that kind of thing. The stock market can't solve for security and cash flow. And so we, we use the common combination, uh, real estate, active, passive, maybe not as liquid, but you have other sources for that. So in our world, in my world with my clients, if my clients have maybe some fixed source, you know, some secure money, whether it's fixed annuities, lifetime cash flow with increasing lifetime cash flow, stock market investments, private non-traded equity and debt REITs and structured notes, buffered ETFs and uh, universal life, Delaware statutory trust, you know, I go on and on. If they have a, a mix of private equity, you know, all, if they have a mix of all these different assets, we're starting to accomplish what we want to accomplish. You know, it's almost like a vitamin pill. You look at a vitamin pill. Do you want a multivitamin if you only have one pill to pick from? Or do you want B12 with 41,666% of your daily dose of B12? <laughs> yeah. If that's your only vitamin, you only need one thing to get there. Okay, buy that annuity with all your money or buy that stock market with all your money. That was your one pill you get to take. Me, I want a multivitamin. Right. I want everything covered. Boy, another analogy. I'm on fire today, Jeff. You are 
Harvard. So, uh, yeah, the multivitamin approach, what we'll call it, uh, maybe my marketing department can help me uh, start a new book series on the multivitamin approach to diversity and investments. Brian, I think protection is very important to people listening to the program today. What are the different strategies that you can implement to help protect your assets? One of the things that uh, isn't talked about a whole lot is making sure you have an umbrella insurance policy. So the umbrella insurance policy protects you against a lawsuit or something that your typical insurance does not. Because how many times you had this thought, you, you maybe something happened, and you, your first thought is, do I have insurance for this? And you go, yeah. But then the next question is, but does it cover this, and will it cover it up to the amount that is in play here? So, for instance, I had a client whose son went out, borrowed the car, and hit somebody, didn't create a lot of damage, but they turned around and sued him for, it was a large sum of money. And, you know, regardless of the facts and figures, it seemed like everything, oh, they walked away, they were fine, but until they talked to the attorney, then they weren't fine anymore. Then your heart drops, it's like, well, what's my liability? Isn't it only like 200000 100 per accident, 300000 total, and all this stuff? And you go, they're suing me for a million what? That is scary. That can upend a retirement plan because you decided not to spend a thousand bucks a year or whatever it was on a multi-million dollar umbrella insurance policy that would have protected you in that case. The other cool thing about an umbrella insurance policy is they will make you get other policies up to where they need to be. You may go, oh yeah, I have contents of a thousand in my house. Of course, I have you know 150,000 of original art and I just never looked at that. You know, They'll make sure that you have all your uninsured motorists or fire protections or whatever it is you need that all of your insurances are at an adequate amount so that they will be willing to insure above those adequate amounts. So it's a great review. It's a free review from an insurance company. And then it's not that expensive. It really protect your assets. But when it comes to investments, you know, everything's great when markets are up and, and or whatever you're in, real estate's up or Bitcoin is up or whatever you, you happen to be invested in. Anybody listening, especially our, our listeners, knows markets are cyclical. Real estate is cyclical. Stock market is cyclical. Cryptocurrency is cyclical. Everything has cycles, and some of the down cycles are devastating. They will devastate a retirement, regardless of what you're in, if your timing is bad. So you have to do, again, the multivitamin approach to investing. You have to have that diversity to protect yourself. And people want that. I'm preaching to the choir when I start talking to a, a new client about that or one of my advisors are. They're like, hello, what, were you listening to me on the way here with my spouse when in the car? That's exactly what we want. And, you know, we kind of know that. We kind of know you, you want cash flow and security. Number one and number two, you don't need to be the richest person in the graveyard. You definitely want your cash flow and security accounted for in retirement. Brian, I think this has been a very valuable conversation today, but I'm sure that our listeners may have some questions. So if you're listening to the program today and you want your questions answered, call now to request your Madrona 30-point analysis. Don't wait until it's too late. Just pick up the phone. You can do it right now and dial 833-673-7373 so that you can discover additional ways to potentially improve your quality of life for the next 30-plus years. That number one more time, 833-673-7373. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. I'm Jeff Shade, and we just finished discussing four things to do before retirement so your house is in order. If you want to hear the show again, don't worry. We're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You're going to get this show along with weekday takeaways so that you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. We're going to take a quick break, Brian. we come back, we'll be discussing the difference between private REITs and public REITs and why you may want to avoid the latter. Stay tuned. Want more strategies that can help support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Well, stick around. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth. This is Brian Evans from Madrona Financial, and I'm here to tell you that issues with your estate could be a major headache, but can be easily avoided. Call us for a retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA, and we'll discuss your current estate plan. The last thing that you want is your estate to go to the government, a trustee, or to people you don't even know. What about the stress of being executor when you don't know what was desired or where assets are? And in the end, there may not be a whole lot left over, and there's a good chance that it will cause bad blood among your family. What would happen to your assets if your spouse remarries after you pass? What about your kids, their spouses, and your grandkids? You've earned it, saved it, and now it's time to protect it. And we'll make it easy to give you the guidance you need. 
Call Madrona Financial today for a free retirement readiness and estate plan review. Our number is 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, or visit us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. In the professional world, we expect doctors to understand medicine and lawyers to understand the law. So why can't most financial professionals file your tax returns or do comprehensive tax planning? It's because they don't have the right license. If your advisor can't file your taxes, there's a good chance you're not getting the comprehensive guidance you'd expect. Consider working with the CPAs and advisors at Madrona Financial and see what you're missing. Go to madronafinancial.com and get started for free today. That's madronafinancial.com. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about adding real estate to your portfolio. Brian, as of 2021, the global market cap of publicly traded REITs was around $2 trillion. If you look at the U.S. alone, it's around $1 trillion. And that's a pretty big market, Brian. How does someone go about purchasing a REIT? Yeah, I want to start by defining a REIT. What is a REIT? A REIT is a real estate investment trust. And essentially, you think about, you know, what's a mutual fund? Well, a mutual fund is where a lot of different people pool their money so that they have enough to buy lots of different companies. So when you put your money into that mutual fund, even if you put $100, you might own 500 different companies, a little teeny, teeny bit of each one, but you're able to pool your money with other people. Well, similarly, you cannot go out and say, you know what, I would like to buy uh, shopping centers and apartment buildings and self-storage and industrial parks. I've got $1,000. I'm going to go out and buy all those things. Well, clearly you cannot do that on your own. However, you can own all of that. Just go out and buy the Vanguard REIT or the Fidelity REIT. You will have all those things in your portfolio with your $1,000. You'll own a teeny, teeny bit of each of the buildings and, and pieces of real estate, but it's a way to invest in institutional grade real estate, large properties without having to buy it yourself. So that's essentially what a REIT is. A publicly traded REIT is akin to a, a mutual fund. So, you know, I literally could take, you know, $200 and put 100 into the S&P 500 and 100 into the Vanguard REIT. And I own, you know, a piece of 500 companies and thousands of properties. That is diversification into those areas. So hopefully that's helpful to my listeners. Now we got to start breaking down into other areas of real estate. And before I do that, even there's, there's two things I want to comment on. One is I talk to people around the country. I'm a national coach to hundreds of advisors. And I talk to these advisors and most of them kind of follow if they invest people's money and don't just do annuities. Most of them kind of follow the lead of the, I call them the strip mall advisor or the big box advisor that they'll put their clients into stocks and bonds. And that's kind of it. And they go, well, real estate's not really. And, you know, you talk to a lot of advisors. Well, real estate's not really a predominant asset class. I'm like, really? I think, Jeff, you just mentioned there's about $2 trillion in public traded REITs alone. Mm -hmm. That doesn't include private-owned real estate. That doesn't include private equity, Delaware Statutory Trust, private non-traded REITs. That was just publicly traded REITs, $2 trillion? That's a big number. Okay. Real estate is a huge component of investment dollars in this country. And to me, it is a major asset class. We don't talk about that. People talk about stocks and bonds, stocks and bonds, stocks and bonds. What about the real estate component of your portfolio? Shouldn't that be a, a, an asset class? We hear about annuities, the insurance world. The insurance world does not have as much money invested as there is in real estate in this country, not even close. And so when we look at the different asset classes we can invest in, I like to define it as six major categories. The first category being cash and cash equivalents. What is that? Well, obviously, we know what cash is. Money markets, CDs, any kind of short-term bond instrument or even almost sometimes even a fixed annuity would fall into that. But generally, it's more liquid stuff like CDs and cash and money markets. So that's cash and cash equivalents. The next category is bonds. That's the biggest asset class there is. Bigger than the stock market, bigger than the real estate market. So bonds is a a huge asset category. Bonds have done poorly in recent years because interest rates have gone up. They were fine when rates were falling in the the 80s and 90s, in 2000s. They were fine. They pay you a coupon, plus they had a little bit of appreciation. But now they're reversing that trend as they go up. So bond market. The third area, stock market. 
Okay, we all know what the stock market is. It can have highs and lows. It can do them all in the same year. We can have sequence of return risk. We can have a lot of issues. We can have a lot of growth. If we leave our stock market alone, I think one of the things we like to term is the markets, it's very difficult to time the markets. Your goal is to have time in the markets not to time the markets. So if you're in the markets for a long period of time, you're probably just fine. If you try to time the market, maybe not so much. The fourth category, real estate. Okay, whether it's real estate that you own and manage, whether it's institutional real estate, uh, publicly traded REITs, private non-traded REITs, Delaware Statutory Trust, private equity, there's a lot of different ways that people can get into real estate. But real estate, just you know, drive down the road, drive down a freeway and into a big city and look around and go, huh, there is a lot of fourplexes and small apartments and strip malls and, and office buildings and whatever, industrial parks and self-storage. And this is all real estate. Somebody owns that. The government doesn't own most of that. People own it, or they own it within REITs, or within DSTs, or privately owned, or in pension plans, or whatever. Real estate is a huge category. The next category is insurance company products. Those are your annuities, whether they're for safe accumulation of money, or for lifetime cash flow. Maybe it's universal life for tax savings and protection, and so forth. So insurance company products, big area. And the fifth area is kind of all-encompassing. I call it alternatives. So that would be your private equities, you know, maybe crypto, precious metals, anything that that's really didn't encompass what I just talked about. So there's basically six areas. Probably the fourth biggest of the six is real estate. And so I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Brian, as I understand it, REITs are not known to pay really big dividends. Does that sound right to you? I mean, can you get higher dividends? Well, absolutely. You can get higher dividends. You can pretty much get anything. And it, it's funny you ask this because I, I had this person come in and, and they were, I hate to say it, but a bit of a know-it-all. And, and they mm-hmm. had it all figured out. I'm not sure why they came to me. I, I don't even know. But he said, oh, yeah, I've been checking into this real estate investment. It's a, it's a REIT. And uh, it pays 24%. And I said, really? 24%? Have you uh, taken a look at how risky that is? He goes, oh, no, it's safe. I'm like, Okay. All right, let's think about this for a second. Does it make sense to you that somebody's getting 24% a safe investment and rather than put all their money into it, they need your money to put into it instead of their own and they're trying to sell you on this thing really hard. I'm pretty sure that if I had a 24% investment that was safe, I would sell that all day long and I'd be the biggest financial advisor in the world by the end of the year. So that just doesn't pass the sniff test there. Yes, you can get higher rates of returns and so if somebody is comparing REITs based on rate of return, we got a problem. A lot of times, like, there might be REITs that pay, there are REITs out there that pay double digit. And I was talking to somebody about this. He's, this is my retirement plan. This is why, again, another person, I don't know why he came to my office to tell me he didn't need me. Well, maybe he came in for a DST discussion. But most of his money was in these REITs, and they're out there that are a particular kind that pay double digit cash flow. And I pulled it up on my screen. I'm like, hmm, you know, they, they've been paying you 12% a year, but you've been losing 20% a year in, in the principal. Well, I don't care about that because I'm getting the dividend. I'm like, okay. And it wasn't too many years later that, uh, I think it was that next year, that there was a big dip in that market. And those things went, oh gosh, pennies on the dollar. So you have to be careful about taking one data point and saying, oh, it pays the most, it must be the best. No, I look at that uh, as a CPA and financial advisor. When I look at something with a high yield, I go, it pays the most. It is probably the most risky. Or what else is behind this number? So I see this with Delaware Statutory Trusts all the time. A sponsor will come out and say, my apartments are better than theirs because they pay twice as much yield to you. And initially, I already know there's two problems here. One is you're either in very risky type of properties or the other is you're using money other than income to support your yield to manipulate me into thinking yours is better than everybody else's. And so we have to be extremely careful in the analysis part. And that's why we do what we do is we spend a lot of time on analysis, but some REITs don't pay as much. Some, uh, you know, more like a a bond yield kind of in that range. Many of them pay higher than a bond yield. Most of those are private non-traded REITs. Most of the public traded REITs don't pay that much, not as much as private non-traded REITs can. But didn't you just say, Brian, that uh, you have more risk if you have a higher yield? Yeah, in some situations you can. You can have more risk. Sometimes that can be mitigated, though. So there's a lot to the analysis of publicly traded versus private REITs when you're just looking at the yield component of that. And I haven't even started on the appreciation component. 
Brian, why do some people claim that privately traded REITs have higher fees and lower transparency, would you say? Well, they are smaller, typically, than publicly traded REITs. The problem, however, with publicly traded REITs, and I have this discussion all the time because people just say REITs, and I say, which kind? They, what do you mean? Public or private non-traded? Uh, does it matter? I'm like, oh, yes, it does. Let's go to 2022. The Vanguard Index of Publicly Traded REITs, or any index, any huge REIT index, lost more than 20%, close to 30%. Oh my gosh, that is a disaster for your retirement savings, especially when your bonds lost a whole bunch of money. The rest of your stock market investments lost a whole bunch. The NASDAQ lost close to 30. You know, if that was your first year out of retirement, you pulled 5%, 4 or 5% out. You're going, gosh, I've I've lost a third of my retirement savings in my first year out. (laughs) I'm hurting for certain. I didn't listen to the first half of the show. We talked about diversification of investments, but I thought real estate was supposed to diversify me. Isn't that what you're saying, Brian? Well, not publicly traded REITs. That is like a stock. That moves like a stock. And one of the biggest problems with public traded REITs is they're too liquid. You know, what happened in 2022 was people wanted out of the market. And so they sold their public traded REITs. Well, those REIT companies have to come up with your cash within three days. How do you take a portfolio of office buildings or apartment buildings, big industrial properties, and convert that into cash when everybody wants to sell and have it done in less than three days? That is problematic at the least, very least. And so that was a big problem. And so what happened was, you know, I won't get into the mechanics, but those REITs lost a ton of money. Private non-traded REITs, some people push back and say they aren't liquid enough. I can't buy it on Tuesday and sell it the next Tuesday. That's right. You can't do that. And that is a good thing. That is to protect you against a run on that private non-traded REIT. They generally have limitations as to how much can be liquidated by the shareholders on a quarter-by-quarter basis. And so I had many private non-traded REITs do extremely well, go up in value in a year 2022 where public traded REITs just got hammered. And you're saying, don't they even own some of the same properties? I'm like, yeah, depending on whether it was a public traded REIT that had too much liquidity for real estate. Now, I like liquidity with stocks. I don't like it with real estate. Real estate's a long-term asset. And so when we compare private non-traded REITs to public traded REITs, there was a huge difference, delta, in the rate of return just because of the liquidity aspect behind them that most people don't even think about. Maybe they didn't even know that existed or even knew there was a difference between private non-traded REITs and public traded REITs. And Brian, we all know that every investment has its pros and cons, and I guess REITs certainly are no different. Absolutely. As we say, every investment has pros and cons. Some of the pros to real estate, whether it's actively managed stuff that you own and, and manage, or whether it's in a Delaware statutory trust or a private non-traded REIT, we'll keep those together because I just called publicly traded REITs more like a stock market investment. But uh, if we look at these other ones in that capacity, REITs can be a very good source for cash flow. They tend to pay much, much higher than any uh, dividend fund uh, out there or stock market funds and so forth. So they can be good for that. As we know, real estate, commercial real estate, residential real estate, you you name it, has had an incredible run since the 70s. It really has. It is. If you look at, uh, I look at my JP Morgan asset categories lists and it lists them all, uh, you know, for the last 25 years, even public trader REITs, they they put on there, that is higher than every other category they cover. They don't cover private non-traded REITs, your private owned real estate. They don't cover Delaware statutory trusts. Okay, so pull those out. Private equity, all that kind of stuff. Pull that out of that. Even publicly traded REITs have a higher 25-year average than the stock market, the bond markets, the mixes, all the other things that you can get into. So again, as I look at real estate for our clients, I think it's a core component, a cornerstone, whether it's real estate that you, investment real estate that you own personally, or it's in a Delaware statutory trust through a 1031 exchange or private non-traded real estate investment trust, whatever it is, that is a huge asset category. It's done well historically. It pays nice cash flow. There are a lot of reasons why it could be a good fit in a portfolio. Can it go down? Absolutely. It's real estate. Real estate can go down. So you have to take that into account and not put all your eggs in that basket. Brian, once again, this has been a very educational discussion about real estate investment trust, but I do want to open the phone lines right now. 
so that people can request their 30-point analysis and see how REITs and other real estate investments could potentially help their overall portfolio. If you're tired of the stock market roller coaster, you want to explore diversifying your portfolio with some alternative investments, I invite you to call 833-673-7373 right now so that you can request your Madrona 30-point analysis and see what you could be missing. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify for the Madrona 30-point analysis. But those who do qualify will be able to enjoy this conversational analysis intended to dynamically cover a wide range of topics based on your individual and unique situations so that you can proactively enhance your financial plan and your strategy. Now, as a bonus, we're also going to send you a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. You're going to get a friendly voice on the other end of the line. When you call that number, 833-673-7373, they'll ask a couple basic questions, and then your information will go to our team who will reach out to you within one business day to schedule your 30-point analysis. Once again, not going to cost you a dime, no cost. There is no obligation, but it could be just what you need to help uncover several blind spots while improving your overall quality of life for the next 30-plus years. Once again, That number is 833-673-7373-833-673-7373. And as I said, the phone lines are open right now. Brian, most investors either identify themselves as real estate investors or stock market investors. Can you comment on that? Yeah, that is actually very true. Uh, When someone comes in, they generally are one and not the other. I talked to a lot of real estate investors. I just got back from, I gave seminars in, in Utah. And uh, if I started talking about uh, stock market there, they would have probably got up and walked out because all of these people were real estate investors. And that is where they've made their money. So it kind of makes sense. I mean, you invest in what you know. You invest in what you've done well in. So let's say you've worked for your whole career for a company and you put tons of money into a retirement plan or maybe as a tech company and you've seen your retirement plan grow and your stock options grow. That person loves the stock market. Okay, or let's say uh, the place I was in, Park City, Utah, in this case. I pulled up the multiple listings. I, I put in uh, what kind of houses are available for $2.5 million or less, and I, I got bupkis. I mean, I, <laughs> That's I, amazing. So I took off, yeah, so I took off that, that upper end thing. I said, okay, here's a group of houses at 6 to 10. Here's one from 15 to 20. Here's your outliers. We're, we're at 25 to, to 40. But most of them were in that five, six, seven, eight, nine million dollar range. I was like, holy mm. cats. I'll bet these people think real estate's a really good investment. Uh-huh. I had one person in the audience there. She said, I love this DST stuff. I'm ready for that. Uh, I don't want to manage. And we asked her what she had. She had a you know half dozen houses she'd bought a bunch of years ago there. And the appreciation was 1,000 something percent already on that. That person loves real estate. Okay. So if you've been successful with something, whether it's stock market or real estate market, they've both been successful markets long term since the 80s. So any, any long-term investor is saying, what? Well, I just love investing. Okay. And so, so one of the things I, I think about is uh, we're doing good with analogies today. We, we talked about having a diversified portfolio. It's like if you can only take one vitamin a day, it's like taking a multivitamin versus having all your eggs in one basket. It's like taking a, a B12 pill only, and that's all you take. And so you probably, well, I'd probably be better off long term with a multivitamin. So in this case, you know, you, you look at somebody that maybe has all their money in cash or all their money in stock market or all their money in real estate. The analogy would be flour, eggs, and sugar. Well, each one of those is is fine by itself as a component, but if you blend them together and have some of the other, you end up with a cake. Okay, so maybe a lot of people that are all in real estate, they might be taking excess risk from what they're in. So let's say in this case, I'll I'll use that that woman I, I met at my seminar, she had all of her money in rentals in one town which is fine. She's done great. However, she had a different objective now. Now that she had enough growth, her objective was to not have to deal with tenants, was uh, time and stress. And I was like, okay, we can solve for that. And part of the solving for that would be to diversify her. And it doesn't necessarily mean all out of real estate. It could be different kinds of real estate. A rental house in Park City, Utah is not the same as a self-storage in the Southeast states. It's not the same as an apartment building in Texas and Florida. It's not the same as an Amazon distribution warehouse, maybe acquired through a Delaware statutory trust or different net lease properties that that are out there that pay cash flow. They are different kinds of investments. So even within, let's say, real estate, I could take a real estate portfolio and create a diversified portfolio from that using Delaware statutory trust in this case. 
or if they had excess money, we might start looking into other areas, whether it be the insurance area or even the stock market. So we start adding these different components, again, to make a cake out of individual ingredients. The more ingredients, the better when it comes to investments, uh, typically, as long as they're good ingredients. And so we can build a great portfolio around somebody that even is concentrated in their investments, as is the case with the person I met recently at one of my seminars. Brian, how does inflation and interest rates play into this conversation about real estate and REITs? Yeah, it kind of goes back to where we started this show. What's the most important thing to most people that you talk to, Brian, is it's cash flow and retirement. Well, America just got about a 20% pay cut due to inflation recently. And so when we look at that, we're going, oh, I had a plan and that plan has just been upended because of inflation. And the statistic is the average family is paying $700 more than they were before all of this every month. And my clients aren't average. They aren't the typical average American. So they're paying way more than $700 more than they used to per month. And now let's say that number, I'll just throw out a number, 2,000 more a month than they used to. Well, that might have been their Social Security check they were planning on. So, you know, they used to have a, a piece of their plan, Social Security, 2000 a month. I'm just throwing out a round number. And I just told you you're spending $2,000 more a month than you had planned to. And you're going, huh, that went away. What's my replacement? So that's one of the things you know, I had to chuckle because I'm hearing about how wonderful our government was in passing this Inflation Reduction Act and how much better things are and it's, all the things are fixed. And again, going back to my favorite textbook in college, How to Lie with Statistics. Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm doing great with my weight loss project here. Yeah. I used to be gaining three pounds a month. Now I'm gaining two pounds a month. I have made incredible progress. I have solved it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a weight problem anymore. It's great. As you can see, no, that doesn't sound too awesome, Brian. These aren't actual figures. I'm just making something up here. But yeah, we are paying so much more for everything. And once that kicks in, once inflation kicks in, unless something called deflation happens, which doesn't in the United States, that is locked in permanently. So we have locked in permanently an enormous nationwide pay cut, and especially for those with higher dollars in their portfolio, that we have to counteract. How can we counteract that? Well, you're not going to counteract that with the growth of dividends in the S&P 500 because that's not happening either. And so we can counteract that with certain annuities, perhaps, or we can look at real estate. One of the things about uh, real estate, it can be an inflation hedge. My uncle used to tell me he loved inflation. I mean, what are you talking about? Nobody in, on the planet says they love inflation. He says, well, I do. I own a whole bunch of rental houses. And over time, my fixed rate mortgages never go up. But with inflation, I can increase the rents and I have more net income. I was like, huh. Well, I see it doesn't help you. It doesn't help everybody else. But I see what you're saying with that. It is an inflation hedge. So real estate can be an inflation hedge. Yeah, rents can go up in, in the investments that you make relative to the expenses. It can help you if prices go up. They have. They did. They're permanently there now. And so that is one of the things we have to look at when preparing a, a diversified portfolio is what if we have inflation? Again, that's why when it comes to annuities, there's two different kind of lifetime annuities I could put my clients into. One has a flat payout for life and one has an increasing payout for life. The increasing payout for life starts at a lower figure. So it doesn't look as good in year one. And so people might point that out and say, yeah, but you know, years ago I'm having this conversation. Yeah, but what if we have inflation? And they say, well, we don't really have inflation, do we? Like, well, not now, but we could. I remember it. <laughs> it could come back. Sure enough, it did. I am so glad that we focused on increasing lifetime cash flow instead of flat lifetime cash flow, even though it looked good in the early years. Later years, you'll be thinking, you're lucky stars, you were smart enough to think we could have inflation, and we did. Brian, we've covered a lot of information on the show here, and I'm sure that our listeners may have some questions for you, and they're looking for possible answers that'll help them enhance their portfolio when it comes to real estate and REITs. So I want to open the phone lines right now to those listeners. Again, that number to call, 833-673-7373. It's 833-673-7373. As I said, you can call that number right now, and you can request your 30-point analysis and discover what alternative investing like REITs could do for you. That number is 833-673-7373 to request your Madrona 30-point analysis. Now, you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets to qualify. And if you do, we'll send you out as a bonus Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Now, your information is going to go to our team, and they will schedule 
schedule someone to reach out to you within one business day. Once again, no cost, no obligation, not going to cost you a dime. It's 833-673-7373. Yeah, Jeff, I just wanted to reiterate something here. You know, I'm talking about investments in real estate and REITs and stock markets and all that stuff and, and pros and cons all the time. It occurs to me that anybody that's been invested for many, many years has done well. If they've stuck with it, whether it's their own real estate they've managed or, or REITs, whether it's their stock market, their business typically, uh, whatever it is, we've had a good run for decades here. So investing can be really life-changing if you, if you do it right. But one of the things that jumps out at me is I, I mentioned I was doing these seminars, and they were primarily for people with investment real estate. Now, some of the concepts we talked about today, like the publicly traded REITs versus private non-traded REITs, sometimes you have to have a certain net worth to invest in some of the things we're talking about on here. And we didn't really get into Delaware Statutory Trusts for 1031 exchanges, but in that case, you have to be an accredited investor. A million dollars net worth outside of your principal residence. Not everybody has that, obviously. So sometimes just to get in, if you want to get into commercial real estate, maybe a publicly traded REIT's a good place to start. It's easy to get into. There's no minimum. So, again, the, these discussions deserve much more than what we can cover on the radio show. But what I wanted to mention was in my seminar, I was talking to people that were very successful, had more money than they were, they were going to spend in their lifetime. And I started with, what, what is the purpose of today? And it was not about growing their wealth, even though that's the name of my show, because they already had. They had grown their wealth to an adequate amount to have all the money they could spend for the rest of their lives. Now, really what the purpose was, was to help them understand alternatives to improve their life and improving their life through either having more time or less stress or both. And that really was the impetus of the talk. I said, you know, we'll get into the tax savings of 1031 exchanges and DSTs and, and the cash flow attributes and potential appreciation, all that stuff, and how it's good for you, for your heirs, all this stuff. But in the end, it was a lifestyle discussion. And so much of what we're going to be talking about with people that call us and come in will be, what do you want your life to look like? We can work around that. There will be real estate discussions. There'll be stock market discussions. There'll be insurance company product discussions. All these different things. Are they fit? Are they not? Which ones and why? And even in the real estate world, there'll be discussions about all the different places we could go there or all the different asset types that are out there. You know, Self-storage is not the same as a rental house. These are very different kinds of things. We have access to all that. And you might be listening going, this is too complicated for me. And like, yeah, it probably can be for a lot of people. Obviously, it's very complicated. But we do the work for you. We do the heavy lifting. And we will present this stuff to you in an understandable way, summarize everything for you. You just have to know that we did the research. We've done the vetting. We, we understand what we're doing, what we're talking about, the tax implications, all of that. That stuff's very important. But we will do the heavy lifting. But we want to hear, you know, what do you want your life to look like? And we can work around that. Again, Brian, thanks for your time. I want to thank the fine people here at the Puget Sound for listening to us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans Inc. PC. Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.